0: Music Talks with DMB Audio Technic.
1: Hello and welcome to the Headliner Radio Podcast. Today I'm chatting to front of house engineer Sean Sullivan, often better known simply as Sully, who has worked with some massive names in music. Sully, how's it going, man? You well? I'm good. Doing great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Where are you joining us from today?
0: Uh, right now I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. Cool. Cool.
1: Uh, I can see you're in your your studio is looking it looks pretty well equipped is that kind of your base at the moment
0: yes it's uh currently mostly my live front of house setup stuff since we're not touring it's uh you know it's sitting here at the in the lab as we like to refer to it yeah um, yeah but yeah this is pretty much my normal setup uh obviously i have some non-touring equipment as well in here but uh for the most part it's my live setup that we just bring home and put together and turn into a studio
1: cool Cool. How has it been for you the last sort of, I guess, nine, 10 months, um, with, with what's happening in the world? Have you been managing to, to keep busy and and stay productive?
0: Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's quite boring compared to our normal routine of being on the road and getting in buses and checking in for flights and up, up one morning at 6am for a load in and that night going to another city, you know, it's crazy how we normally do it. So it's been quite boring actually. Uh, of course, I'm finding lots of things to do. I've had uh, a couple live stream events that I've done with a few bands here and there, but uh, cool. for the most part, I'm just staying busy in the studio, uh, mixing some music, some records for friends, a uh, couple clients. You know, I'm not I'm not known as a studio engineer, so that work is kind of like piecemeal work for me, but it's keeping me busy. Cool. I also do some uh, training. You know, I do online training. Like people hit me up and they're like, "Hey, you know, can you take me through?" tuning PAs or gains, that you know any anything I can I'll get online and these zoom events I have all my gears dialed into a little video switcher I can show any screen of my rig and so I've been doing that nice. stuff as well just, just keeping busy.
1: Yeah it's cool that you're uh, kind of involved in that side of it um, the education side uh, kind of I suppose that's something that keeps you quite focused and, and quite engaged I would imagine um, talking with and I guess w- when it's a, a time when we're not really able to get out much it's nice to be able to still talk to people in that way and connect with connect with people I guess and, and your fellow engineers
0: yeah and I, I kind of look at it like when you know when I was young trying to learn how to do this stuff I would have killed for the capabilities that we have nowadays to learn from people that have been doing it you know I don't I don't claim to know everything but I've been at it for 35 years now and yeah, yeah. you know I feel I know a couple things about it and so sharing it is you know it was something like i said i would have killed to learn to have the capability to do to meet up with guys that were peers in the industry and that knew what they were doing and were working for the big acts and it just didn't exist and so for me being able to share that back nowadays and and help people out you know i love it i love talking about this stuff like i said we're bored right now so it keeps us busy and gives us something to do and yeah keeps us talking about audio and just a good way to pass the time and try to make a few bucks at the same (laughs) time you know it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't pay nearly what we're used to, but you know, whatever we're, we're doing what we got to do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, you've, you've worked with some huge names over the course of your career. Um, you know, red hot chili peppers, Rihanna Beck, uh, Justin Timberlake to name just a few. Um, but sort of tell us how you first got into mixing live gigs, uh, Sally. And, and when was the sort of the, I guess the breakthrough moment for you, um, in terms of, you know, when you first when you first started mixing in front of house?
0: Uh I grew up in a family of uh, uh lots of music going on. My my father was uh had an amazing record collection, was into, you know, what we would nowadays call classic rock and roll, Led Zeppelin and Humble Pie and uh, you know, those kind of bands from the late sixties and seventies, Black Sabbath records. And mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, we didn't have the internet. I'm you know, I just turned fifty. Uh, So born in 1970, so at like 75 through 85, you know, I was a young kid with two older brothers and one younger brother, and we sat around listening to Black Sabbath records, you know, and mostly because my dad had them on, you know, my dad was a a captain of the fire department, and uh, he sat around and listened to some, you know, really cool music, and it just turned us on to it, and he was very adamant about finding jobs that you love to do instead of finding jobs that you hate. And my older brothers were musicians and playing in bands. And I kind of dabbled in a little bit of guitar and drums cause it was in the house. Yeah. And, cool. Uh, I just got stuck being the guy that, you know, drug all the gear around and set everything up and that kind of stuff. Cause I was the youngest and I wanted to hang out and, uh, I wasn't the youngest of the, I was the youngest of the three that were into it. My younger brother was more into art and okay. painting and that kind of stuff. And, I just took it really serious because my dad was, you know, very vocal about do something cool. You know, don't, don't, he had a, he had an amazing job, a city job working for the fire department, got paid well, uh, sick days off, you know, everything, you know, was really taken care of, but it was a backbreaking, hard laborious job putting out fires and saving lives. And, you know, I won't say he didn't love it cause I know he loved his job, but I don't think he, you know, when you come home from a night of putting out fires and it's freezing cold and soaked water, you know, I don't think it was something that you felt like you had a good time doing, you know? So he was very cool about it and was not, uh, not against the, the pursuit uh, factor of going after something like, you know, I didn't know it was touring at the time, but you know, for me being involved in bands and doing shows was what I wanted to do. And then I learned, you know, that, here's the sound guy at the local clubs with my brother's bands and the local sound guys leaving with a hundred bucks on a Friday night and his briefcase. And here we are setting all this crap up these drums and pulling all this stuff apart and slugging it into our mom's station wagon to get it all home. And we were splitting up a hundred bucks, you know, and, a, and, and, a, the light kind of went off. I was like, wow, like that guy's got it made. He's the one making all the money and, and doing nothing. Now, little did I know he was doing a lot more than I realized. <laughs> uh, And he was, you know, of course, it's very important to the, to the night going well. And I just started chasing that guy around the gig, you know, and hanging out. And, uh, one thing led to another, I was mixing bands, local bands and, you know, being their sound guy, mostly my brother's band. Uh, and my brother pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. It was like, oh, you're good. You know, I was young. I was 15 years old starting to do this stuff. And so I guess like anything, if you start young enough, you grasp it easier. And, you know, I took it serious and, uh. For me, Eight Day Sound was a local sound company to mm. the area I lived in. You know, Cleveland, Ohio, was where Eight Day was, and I didn't even know about Eight Day because they were big time. And I was just working in clubs. And uh, this guy named Jeff Hare, who owned Aggressive Sound, who is a touring front of house engineer and uh, one of my mentors. Uh, you know, he he kind of taught me how to really do this stuff. Or any of his guys that ran his club PAS were really cool to me and helped me out. And one show I ran into eight day at, and I just decided like, I'm going to work there. Mm. And I, mm. and I blagged my way into eight day. And, mm. nice. you know, of course I was a shop guy sweeping floors and, and pulling cables out of cable trunks when this shit came back from gigs. And before knowing I was on tour, you know, I was 19 and a half, 20 years old sweeping floors there. And by 21, I was on tour flying PA and micing stages. Nice. And anytime, anytime anybody needed an engineer, I'd, I'd be the first one to put my hand up, whether it was monitors or front of house, you know, opening acts always needed somebody. And because I took it so serious and I had a pretty decent grasp at it, people started asking me for my phone number. And next thing you know, I was, I quit there after eight, nine years of work for them. And I was touring, mixing front of house from there on out.
1: Nice. Nice. Sounds like you've always had that kind of work ethic though. Um, like you say, it's rubbed off from uh, growing up um, in quite a musical family. Um, and then, um it kind of had a real positive effect uh, when you got that first job at, at eighth day um and really was productive for you I mean you worked there for nearly 10 years like you said is is that I mean last year I think it was back end of last year they they joined up with Claire Goble right um uh, is that likely to affect you in any kind of way Or are you still sort of in, involved with those guys
0: uh if anything it's going to make it better you know Claire is probably the largest sound vendor in the world. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, before, before they bought 8-Day, they were probably the largest. Uh, and now, you know, between Britrow Row and 8-Day and JPJ in Australia and all the different acquisitions Claire's made in the last couple of years, uh, they're just getting stronger and bigger and better. And uh, I've loved Claire Brothers for years. I've toured with Claire on and off. And, I've, you know, 8-Day's kind of been my my normal go-to just because I grew up there and I have history with them. And yeah, I love DMB yeah. rigs. Uh, but I love Claire brothers as well and and the ethics of Claire brothers and the you know the, the family orientation of you know being everything being local and small and I really you know I, I I love it I think it's the greatest thing ever that that eighth day and Claire are now our you know joined forces so yeah it's good yeah, for yeah. me for sure
1: yeah good stuff good stuff now you mentioned um that you you know you've been mixing on D&B rigs for for a while was is, is that something that you know have you have you been on b rigs since the beginning Um uh, and, and, you know, you're quite, prof- must be quite proficient on them now, you know, a lot of experience mixing with them. Um, is that kind of like your day-to-day, your go-to setup, um, D&B?
0: Yeah, for the most part, it's uh, it's my first choice of uh, of rigs when I'm when I'm specking the tour. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, K1 is also, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth between L Acoustics and D&B, but for the most part, uh, I just, Get the results that I expect with D and B really easy and quickly, and uh, you know it's just for me the software, the control, the design element R one and array calc and array processing like those three things together uh, it just eclipses everybody as far as I'm concerned. Like everybody can make a killer box, everybody can make high power capabilities and glues that don't melt when you beat the crap out of them, and everybody's doing that, but nobody's doing what a- what D and B do with array processing and you know L acoustics are very close behind and catching right up to them at the same time but d&b's done it for years now you know and array mm-hmm. processing is fairly new but it's been out since like i think 16 at first hit or 15 array processing yeah, yeah. first came out so here we are five years later now and L acoustics are just starting to get you know and i'm not trying to blag L acoustics for because they do a great job as well but d&b are just well ahead of everybody when it comes to all the other, you know, like I said, we everybody makes killer boxes, yeah. you know, line arrays yeah, yeah. razor. It's not really a secret how to make a great line array boxes. Most people know how to do it really well. And most people do do it really well. But when it comes to coming into a room, getting the design of the PA together quickly, tuning it in virtual while the guys are pulling it up into the ceiling, uh, and then checking your work once it's on and just everything about it is quick. You know, I've done some of these gigantic pop tours where sound is like, Nobody gives a fuck if you got sorry, pardon my friends, but nobody cares like if you need time to get your act together. Yeah. Yeah. And and for the most part, you don't get the time, you know, like on a Rihanna tour, I may get a half hour to get the rig working. Yeah. Pressure. And when it yeah. comes to when it comes to a PA going together well and easy and quickly, uh D and B is my first choice because I know I can have that thing ready before we even get that half hour because I'm sitting there with my laptop up in the seats. I'm watching the guys pull a rig up and I'm, you know, and for me, it looks like I designed it in the morning and I'm kind of my own system engineer. I, I, I tour with system engineers and I love them. And I lean on them greatly, but I'm also my own system engineer. I've done it for so long. And because I was a, a system engineer for eight days for years and I just know what I want and what I expect. And so I designed the rig, you know, my system engineer will go draw the room and get it together and then send it to me and I'll proof. It is what I like. Sure. I have a really good one. This guy in Wayne hall that I work with all the time now, who most time I don't even check his work anymore because we work hand in hand really well together. But you know, the, it, in the speed it takes to do this well, I'm picking B every time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah it just gives you've just got that slight edge with um with DMB uh, i guess for your workflow it's all personal preference isn't it like you said but um sometimes there's just there's something that gives you that slight edge now what's your general approach to i mean obviously it depends on um the act or the, the venue that you're that you're playing in but what's your general approach to setting up and, and tuning a D&B rig um like you said everything can be done virtually now so it's it's pretty streamlined isn't it
0: yeah it's you know with with Ray Calc, you know, their software for design and PAs, uh, you know, you have your, you know, what you're touring with, whether it's a 20 deep rig or a 16 deep rig, whatever, you know, what you're touring with. And, you know, some days you'll put up less because you're in a smaller building. And so it's, it's really about getting the room drawn well, or already having a well, a good draw, you know, because that's, that's really what matters now. You know, this stuff is so accurate and so good. If your room drawing is crap, then you're just, then you might as well not even use the software, you know, you might yeah. as well just hang it and, and yo-yo PA, I call it, you know, take it up and look at it. Does it, does it cover the room? I I don't know. It looks close. Well, maybe it needs to be a little higher, tilt up more, more curve, you know? Well, with a rate calc, a rate calc and a good drawing, there's none of that. You know what I mean? You build it. And as long as your crew's pinning it together, right, you pull it up and you're done. You put lasers on it and trim it and make sure it's pointing where you want and, and you're laughing, you know, it's time to yeah, go. Yeah. There's no messing around with it. And so the approach is is extremely streamlined with anybody's PA. Really, I feel DNB is the, is the slickest though. You know, it's, it, it, and I hate to sound like it's a DNB ad, you know, because I don't work for them and, and I like other PAs. Like I said, K1, I think is a stellar sounding rig. Um, when it comes to getting them working fast though, none of them come close to DnB and an r1 and array calc and array processing you know and, and making sure the rig sounds very similar everywhere you know I I walk the room every day I'll put virtual sound check on put a song on that the entire crew hate I put the, the most <laughs> annoying song of the show on that the rest of the crew hate and I you know and me and the system engineer will take a tablet and we'll walk and we'll go get it together and and if you can do that in a half hour with the least amount of pink noise involved because who doesn't hate pink noise. I hate pink noise. It's like, it's like torture on tour, you know? (laughs) And so doing it quickly and getting it. And and the cool thing about DNB is if you design it right and you implement it into the room, right? You pull it up. There's, you don't need a lot of that time of doing that kind of stuff. It just works. You, you check your time alignment quickly and, and the stuff's so accurate there's been tours where I haven't even pulled a single time alignment mic out. And I know it's good because when I walk and listen, I'm like, yeah, it's spot on. So, and uh, don't get me wrong, A- any PA that can be done, but I just like easily how fast it can be done with, you know, J G S L K S L my fave.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and how, uh, how familiar are you with, um, soundscape as well, Sully? Uh, I don't know if you've done any gigs recently, um, using kind of the immersive, uh, object placed, uh, technology. Is that, is that something that you've kind of been exploring as well?
0: I, I have not, uh, a couple times that I've that I've looked into it, uh, you know, it's really hard to do in big, gigantic spaces. Yeah, you for know, sure. If you're in a smaller, intimate setting where everybody can be in front of every speaker, it makes it a lot easier. But the minute you start spreading people out, you know, most of the tours I do... Uh, not to pat myself on the back, but most of them are big, large arenas or stadium tours. You know, I don't do a lot of like smaller intimate gigs. Yeah. I have, I've toured, you know, I've done theater tours with Nora Jones and stuff, but even in that scenario, you know, like I said, back to the amount of time we get to set shit up, like, there's no, there's not a lot of time in the day to be like stringing speakers everywhere and trying to, you know, get this, that I feel like it's going to be a while before that stuff can become a really common place in the touring market, just because of the, you know, production managers don't want to fill trucks with all your speakers. They hate putting the shit. We already taken into trucks, you know, they're like, Oh, you want a truck and a half for PA? Are you, are you out of your mind? You know, like they don't even care. They don't. And so now you want to start bringing more line arrays and more speakers and more time to set this stuff up. Like it's just an uphill battle that I think we will, we will always fight. And at the end of the day, you still got, this many people in front of this stack of speakers and it's it's really hard to get everybody in front of everything so yeah i haven't had a lot of experience with it the little bit that i have uh it's mind-blowing you know Mm. like if you could get away with it in the largest spaces it would be great uh it's just going to be difficult uphill battle for us
1: yeah like you say especially in the bigger venues logistically it's um just a bit of a challenge isn't it and until that kind of side of it is uh is streamlined as well um then maybe that can be something that that you'll be exploring in a little bit more in the future um in terms of uh, you know for for any front of house live engineers uh, kind of aspiring looking to to you know kind of streamline what they're doing have you got any tips or tricks or you know what the most important things to bear in mind we've covered quite you know quite a few things when it comes to setting up and, and tuning a pa but is there any kind of advice you would offer for anyone sort of looking to 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 do the same as what you do? Uh,
0: I think the I think the best thing to keep in mind is is know your gear well enough that you're proficient with it. You know, what I mean, if you're if you're like, oh, I'm going to try this console this tour, and I'm going to try this console next tour, and I'm going to use this PA, you know, f- just pick the best stuff and stick with it and get really good at it so that you can be quick and easy and, and get the results, you know, like uh, results are all that matter. Nobody cares that you brought your your coolest esoteric tube preamp and you know, and the, the desk is is a tool, you know, like the, the lights on it, the colors it makes and and the cool things it does, nobody gives a shit. You mm. know, like just be good at it. It Be fast and good and pick the, the sources and tools that make your day go easy instead of you. You know, when I switched to this S6L, which was about four years ago now uh i took one home i called the vendor and i was like hey can i borrow this thing like because the last thing i gonna do is switch to it and i was on avid products for years uh but i didn't want to get out there and and look like a knucklehead to myself let alone if anybody else was even watch which which most wouldn't be you know nobody looks over your shoulder really when you're on tour you just go do your thing but you know i didn't want to i didn't want to get out there and struggle with it and so i spent probably eight weeks at home sitting behind it, you know, borrowed it from a vendor, begged, borrowed, you know, Hey, can I get this thing and mess with it? And of course it was the downtime of the season. So they were cool about it. Uh, and not everybody has it really, you know, people are going to watch this and go, yeah, that's cool. Sully, nobody has, we don't all have relationships with vendors like you do or whatever, but you know what? You'd be surprised, bug them, beg them, you know, come up, get, make friends with them, mm-hmm. become mm-hmm. friends with them and, you know, just do what it takes to have your day go well. And and by using familiar items, that helps me, you know?
1: Yeah, of course, of course. And, um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, having that relationship with, with some of the vendors is, is really important as well. And, uh, I mean, you must have a a few, uh, more than a few friends in the industry and more than a few tales from the road in terms of, you know, uh, memorable experiences, memorable gigs. Um, is there any, particular ones that stand out for you? Um, any, you know, yeah, like I said, particularly memorable experiences or, or particular tours, um, where maybe something, there was a spanner thrown in the works that you had to overcome and then it turned out to be like a really cool tour or anything like that?
0: Um, I'd say every one of them is memorable, you know, like doing what we do is, is such an amazing gift to be able to go on tour and and bring music to people's lives. And and now more than ever, people are really realizing like I think we probably took concerts for granted before COVID came around because there was so many of them. But now that it's completely gone, I think people are really like appreciating like how amazing concerts are and and what music brings to people's lives. And so for me, every single one of them is like the best one. You know, like I you could leave one tour and be like, man, nothing top that. And then the next one does, you know? And it's like (laughs) And it, it really, it, you know, people are always like, oh, well, you get to work with cool artists and this and that. And it's like, you know, I didn't always get the greatest tours in the world, you know, like I just took whatever came my way for years. Uh, but now I sure I get my point in my career where I can pick and choose the gigs I get. And that, you know, that makes it, it makes them amazing, you know, like there hasn't been a single bad one. and And as far as like spanners being in the works, you know, like if if you're gear is ready and you're ready like that that never happens you know like sure a truck may get a flat tire but you know what that pushes you back a half hour an hour or whatever you just roll with it and you just go and so you know i i'd say they're all good you know every one of them i have a great time on and the artists i get to work for are all amazing you know some artists are a little less personal than others and some are cooler uh, but I, you know i make sure i have an amazing time no matter what and, yeah. and yeah. enjoy every one of them you know it's like let's like what people say about uh sex or pizza you know even bad sex or bad pizza is still pizza <laughs> or still sex and touring is the same kind of way like even crappy tours guess what you're still putting concerts on for a living you know like yeah. go dig yeah. a ditch or empty garbage cans for a living like there are are some bad days doing that, you know, like even the worst day on touring doesn't compete with that kind of stuff. So I just always try to have a good time no matter what, and then enjoy it regardless.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. Um, now you mentioned, um, you've got some, well, you've had some studio engineering projects as well going on recently. Obviously you're, you're in the studio at the moment. Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Uh, I'm currently mixing a record for this, uh, there' are a local Cleveland band called radian. That's kind of like stoner sludge metal kind of music. You know, uh, I've been working on, I've done this my, to be my second record of mixing for those guys. Uh, cool. Cool. Just, uh, you know, things to keep me busy really, you know, yeah. like I said, I'm not necessarily known as a studio guy, so I don't have that kind of work, like, you know, banging down my door. Uh, but what little bit of it I get, you know, I, I, i Take on, and I'll do it just like I do every other project, so of course, of course, that's kind of the only thing I'm doing right now is mixing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Has, has there been any word about um when sort of tours might start up again? Is there anything in the pipeline on the uh, on the live side for you at the moment?
0: Uh, I think wishful thinking wise, people are like, Oh, probably spring we'll be getting ready. Yeah, I just saw uh. Red Rocks, which is a outdoor, you know, world famous outdoor venue in yep. Denver. I just saw that they they dropped their summer schedule, mm, spring, mm. summer, fall schedule, and uh, it was pretty early. There was dates in March on there and stuff. So yeah, I think I think people are, you know, everybody says, oh, if we get everybody vaccinated and this and that, we'll be good to go. Uh, you know, why don't we just get rapid testing and we'd be good? We could do a show tomorrow if we could test everybody as they walked into the gig. We could do a show tomorrow. So, mm, I, mm. you know, I'm not. I'm not on the COVID task force, so I'm just waiting it out. Uh, last year, we were, I was on tour with Rage Against the Machine. We were in rehearsals when, this, when COVID came and shut everything down. Our tour is uh, rescheduled for June or July of this year. Okay. It's been so long since I looked. I don't remember what we... But uh, yeah, we're hoping to be able to get back to it in June or July. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. It'd be really good. Yeah. So, you know, we'd probably be doing rehearsals in April or May, which would be amazing.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed, man fingers crossed it's um i think everyone's kind of itching now to get back out on the road aren't they with um whether it be festivals or or tours or have you glastonbury's just been cancelled in the uk which is obviously as you probably know um biggest biggest 2021 for for this year yeah biggest music festival and that's in june um so you know it's it's looking i think like you say and 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 until this vaccine really starts kicking in and um I think we probably won't see much going on until the latter half of this year. I think, um, unfortunately, but, uh, fingers crossed we can return to some kind of normality soon. Um,
0: and, yeah, it'd be great. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Been missing it.
1: Yeah. I bet you have, I bet you have, man. Um, I mean, until then, yeah. Um, I, just, I, I at least you've got these studio projects to be keeping you busy and, um, I'm sure you'll be getting, you know, calls and, and knocks on your door soon to, um, to, uh, yeah.
0: And the training stuff, anybody listening wants some uh, exactly. Some yeah. Audio knowledge. I'll be more than happy to share it. Yeah. Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook or any of my sound by Sully pages and we'll get you going, get you, get you started out with the stuff. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Sully, it's been, uh, it's been so great to have you on the show today, man. Thanks for
0: joining us. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
1: No, you're so welcome. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. But uh, until then, take care, stay safe, and all that. And uh, yeah, good luck with uh, all the projects you've got going on at the moment.
0: Thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate no. it. Nice one, man. Take care. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.